Welcome to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. Every Nation is a Bible-believing, multi-ethnic, non-denominational church hoping to transform the world one life at a time. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Hey, good morning, Every Nation New Jersey. God bless you. PA here, Pastor Adam Burt. And I'm so excited that you would spend your Sunday morning here with us at Every Nation, New Jersey. And listen, we are continuing our our series we've called BC, A Journey Through the Old Testament. Uh, But before we get into the Word today, uh, I need you to to kind of feel with me uh, the heart of Almighty God. And so uh, we we have a lot of people having babies in our church right now. And and the first time uh, that people have kids, I just I tell them, buckle up, because your view... Uh, in relationship with God is about to go through the roof, right? And it was funny. I was, I was listening to a story from a, a, another uh, well-known pastor and, and he was telling the story about how he was just so overwhelmed and overcome with the birth of his firstborn son. And, and there, there he was in the delivery room. And, and as he was holding his infant son, it was amazing. He said, just, it was just like something rose up on the inside of him and he prayed this prayer. He's like, he's like, Father, he says, allow my relationship uh, with my son to increase my understanding of, of my, our relationship together as a father and son. Amen. And right there at that moment, his new infant son pooped on him. <laughs> and so uh, here's what I would say, man, I don't think there's any more true metaphor uh, than that, is that, uh, man, we, we just, man, God is such a good father. And despite the fact we might have eventual, uh, these occasional poopies, if you will, man, that the cross of Christ and the love of God is unquenchable. And so, uh, uh, listen, I, I want to tell you this, like as a parent, um, I, I know this, man, I just want the very, very best for my kids. In the same way, how much more our Heavenly Father. Man, I just want you to know that God wants the very, very best for His children. And, and I, I think it's undeniable. Like if you just, the Bible just pounds this home to us. Do you know that, that actually the first words we hear from God in Genesis 1 are words of blessing. He, he speaks to humanity, Adam and Eve, and he says, be fruitful and multiply, right? He speaks blessing over his people because God wants the very best. Uh, in fact, um, we get Moses. God had, had unpacked the law of God uh, for Moses. But then in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, he says this, after, after Moses recites the law that's designed to, to lead people into human flourishing, what does he say? He says this, he says, I set before you blessing and life or cursing and death. And Moses says, hey, let's choose life. Let's choose to go our heavenly father's way. If you don't believe me again, I'm going to take it a step further that Joshua, as he was entering in to the promised land, do you know what his heavenly father told him? He says, Joshua, he says, don't let my words depart from your mouth, but meditate on them day and night that you may obey it walk in it, and you're going to make your way fruitful and successful and prosperous. See, it's the heart of God. He wants to lead us into the best possible life possible. Um, I'll bump you into one more. Jesus Christ, you know, in, in the Gospels, in John chapter 14, Jesus says this, 
I am the way, the truth, and wait for it, the life. God wants to lead you into the fullest life possible. He doesn't give us the commands of God just because he's like, hey, I'm God and I said so. No, it's not it at all. That the commands of God are leading us into human flourishing. Um, I, I recently read uh, a, a, defi- a unique definition of sin that I found so compelling. It, it was by a, a, an old uh, early church father, St. Ignatius. And Ignatius, he said this, he defines sin this way as an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. Is that an incredible definition of sin? Like, it's, I'm going to repeat it, an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. And you know, I tend to agree with St. Ignatius. And so our text today, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs once again. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 3, and if you recall last week, we said that Proverbs, it was it was a book of wisdom. Uh, it's the word chokmah uh, in Hebrew. It, it means skill. In other words, as we, as we take knowledge and we apply it uh, into our life in wisdom, that we have the skill to navigate life well. And so in our text today, um, uh, Solomon is going to do something unique. Um, he's going to do, he's going to give a command and then follow it with a promise, a command and a promise. It's going to lead us into wisdom, into flourishing. And so, um, but here's what you need to know about wisdom. Like in, in the wisdom literature, I always say this, uh, it's a path and not math. Uh, but like Solomon today, what he's not saying is, hey, if you do this, then God's going to do this. It's not like one plus one equals two. That's not how wisdom works, especially in a Genesis 3 world. But what it will do is this, it's more of a path that Solomon's going to say, if you obey this command, then you're headed down the path of flourishing that you're after. And so I think you'll catch on to the rhythm as we go. And so let me start. Here's a, here's the first command with a promise, is that, that Solomon's going to say this, obey God, and then you'll experience life and peace. Obey God is the command, and the promise is life and peace. Let me read to you Proverbs 3, verses 1 and 2. Um, it says this, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. And so um, I share this uh, the, the story that I heard and I think, I think it's so applicable. Is It's funny, there was a, a Fortune 500 CEO was was driving uh, with his wife uh, on a trip and they needed to uh, get some gas. So he pulled over into the gas station and uh, he decided that he was going to go in. He had to. Uh, he was going to purchase something uh, in the gas station uh, store. And so, as he's inside, he as he comes out, he noticed that his wife is is chatting with the gas station attendant. And so, you know, he thought that was odd. Anyways, they they say goodbye and get back in the car. And as they're driving, uh, she informs him that um, that gas attendant was her old boyfriend that that he was uh, she was dating before she met him, the CEO. And then they drove a little bit of while, while in, in silence. And then the CEO got this big smirk on his face, real smug. And he says, I bet I know what you're thinking right now. He says, you're thinking, I'm glad I married him, a Fortune 500 CEO, and, and not the other guy who's a gas attendant. 
And she says, well, not really. You know what I was thinking? I'm thinking if I would have married him, he would be a Fortune 500 CEO and you'd be pumping gas. <laughs> and so I, I love that story. And listen, I, I just think it's so true that like it's this idea that, man, as we obey the word of God, it's the thing that can lead us into a life and peace. Right. And so um, if you commit your life to obey God, it, it will lead us down the path. And the promise is life and peace. And I, I don't know that you can argue this. Like, I think historically we've said that man, it just just do the opposite of the Ten Commandments. And let me know how your life is going. I can guarantee you this. You do the opposite of the commands of God. Uh, just lie and commit adultery, steal and kill. Here's what I promise you. You're not having. You are not having life. And you're not having peace, right? And so, um, uh, uh, listen, I, I've, uh, I love my country. I, I've, I played, uh, for Team USA on several occasions representing my team, uh, around the world and, or my country around the world. And so I, I love, uh, my country. Having said that, uh, I don't think you could dispute this either is, uh, that Americans don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> We, we just don't. I mean, this nation, I mean, we were, we, we, we were founded on give me liberty or give me death. But, um, here's what I think we, we've actually slipped over and we've actually perverted the word freedom. Like, like we just kind of think that freedom means I can do whatever I want whenever I want. And can I tell you, that is not freedom. And, and because we believe that's the definition of a freedom, it, it's, it's, um, empirically hurting us. Let me let me just uh, prove it out to you. Let me let me give you a couple stats uh, on Americans today. So the average American today is 23 pounds overweight. The average American spends 103% of their income. The average American is $90,000 in debt. The average American tells four lies a day or 1,460 a year. The average American spends 27.5 hours a week on entertainment. The average student takes six years to finish college, changing majors four times, right? And so, so this lie that believes that freedom means I get to do whatever I want, whenever I want, it, it doesn't lead to freedom. And so instead, it looks like it's leading to debt. Um, it, it's leading to uh, health issues, all these different things. And I, I like what uh, Jocko Wilnick, um, he's a former Navy SEAL, uh, now an author, a speaker, podcaster, and Jocko, he says this, he says, discipline equals freedom. Discipline equals freedom. And uh, let, let's, let's see if you, you agree with him. Like, like, get this, if you're disciplined with your money, do you know what happens? That you then have the freedom to go on that trip you want to or, or to purchase that item that you wanted, right? See, discipline with your money, it'll give you freedom um, to, to spend uh, the, the discretionary cash. How about this? Uh, discipline with your body will lead to freedom, right? Because if, if you're eating healthy, what you're, you're, you're happier, you're healthier, your body moves better. And now you're free to go do things that those that abuse their body, they can't do. And I'll give you one more. Uh, if we're disciplined with our time, it, it'll lead what to freedom with our time. If we're organized and we get the things done, then it, it what it creates time to do what we want to do. So discipline equals freedom. And so, um, uh, listen, we love, uh, what, 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 uh, discipline produces. We don't like, uh, actually to apply it to our life though. Right. 
like like we want what it produces but it's kind of uncomfortable to live under and let me submit to you king david like king david he learned to love the discipline of the word of god on his life he learned to love it right not because it was easy to live out but because he loved what it produced and here's what david says in psalm 119 103 he says how sweet are your words to my taste sweeter than honey to my mouth and, and uh, here's a, something fascinating to me and parents you might want to take a page out of these uh, rabbis books that that rabbis they used to take young children and because they wanted them to love the word of god uh, they would they would allow them to each have a dab of honey and they would get to to enjoy the honey and then they would quote psalm 119 103 that your word is sweeter than honey on my mouth right and so parents uh and, and just everyone out there man, i want you to love the word of god and as you submit your life to it and obey here's the promise man god is going to lead you into life and peace uh, here's number two you ready here's the command the command is love and the promise is favor like as we love god and love people the promise is we'll find favor with god and with people let's check it out proverbs 3 verses 3 and 4 says this let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and of man. And so uh, I, I don't know how many, listen, to, so for guys out there, um, I, I'm not a hunter. Man, if I, if I killed a deer or something like that, I think I'd start bawling my eyes out. Don't judge me, all right, because I was also a hockey player and a fighter. So uh, <laughs> but uh, so, so my idea of hunting is, is I go to the, our local shop right and do our grocery shopping. Any of you else, right? It's just, it's just like hunting. I'm bringing home food. Um, and so, uh, but, but here's something that's just been driving me crazy recently. And I don't know if you can relate. If you're not living in New Jersey, you probably can't. But, but now in New Jersey, they don't give you bags for your groceries anymore. And so, uh, you're supposed to bring your own bags. And inevitably, every time I forget to bring the bags and it drives me crazy. <laughs> so, so what I've learned is, hey, keep the bags in the car. Keep the bags uh, in the car. And in the same way, God, he's going to say this, keep love on you at all times. In fact, he says, bind it around your neck. Like on a daily basis, there's one thing you can do that will change everything in your life. And that one thing is love. As you love God and love people, it can be this thing that absolutely changes everything in your life. In fact, it, it's, it's, it sounds like an oversimplification, but it's not. Like Jesus went so far as to say this, all the law and all the prophets. In other words, um, everything in your Old Testament, you can sum it up uh, in one word, love. Love God and love people. So um, the New York Times, they, has, they have a, this fantastic op-ed um, uh, writer. His name is uh, David Brooks. And David Brooks, he distinguishes... Uh, between resume virtues and eulogy virtues resume virtues and eulogy virtues and and here's what he says is just kind of how absurd it is that we give so much of our time life and energy towards resume virtues don't we but then uh, at the end of our life how foolish do those resume virtues look and and we could care less about them 
So for example, like, like you've never seen somebody like, you know, resume virtues. That means, Hey, I made this much money. Um, I, I made it to CEO. I did this or that, right? That stuff is ridiculous. On the day you die, no one cares. And so you can imagine if going to a funeral and, and someone gets up to eulogize the deceased and they're like, Hey, that Frank, you know what? He had great abs and he could bench press 315. Like you'd be, you think this is where am I? Am I getting punked or something? Or, or if, if someone got up and they're like, Oh, uh, Shelly, Shelly, um, she was what an incredible CEO. You know, she made six figures and she had a Chanel bag, uh, in all three colors, right? And you were like, who cares? And why are you saying this? No, we want to know about, man, that this person loved well. What an incredible father or mother. Oh, she was an amazing friend. He was an amazing um, uh, business partner, right? Whatever it may be, there, these are eulogy virtues. And so uh, I, I, I recently, I, I read a story of someone who, who went to a, a friend's uh, funeral. And as they were eulogizing her, her name was Liz. Um, they did something I think was, was so cool is they went to 1 Corinthians 13, and that's what's known as the love chapter. You usually see those at every wedding. And, and it, it reads like this. It reads that love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. But, get this, during the eulogy, then they flipped it. Because they said this, that Liz, she personified love in the flesh. And they, they plugged in her name for love. And she said this. They, they went on and says, um, Liz is patient. Liz is kind. Liz does not envy. Liz does not boast. Liz is not proud. Liz does not dishonor others. Liz is not self-seeking. Liz is not easily angered. Liz uh, keeps no records of wrongs. And here's my question to you this morning. Can you plug your name into there? Like if you can plug your name uh, into 1 Corinthians 13, that you are walking in love. And here's what I promise you. You will find favor in the eyes of God and of man. Here's number three. You ready? So number three, the command, trust God. And here's the promise. He's going to make a way. Trust God. He's going to make a way. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6, it says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. And so um, there's a, a great pastor and author. His name is John, John Ortberg, and he has a, a, a book. Uh, it's, it's entitled Faith and Doubt. Uh, it's a fantastic read. And But he actually tells the story uh, of, of a trapeze act. Uh, the, the, the name of the group was the, the Flying Rodelays, and, and it was a group of, of five men all right. There was there were two catchers and three flyers, and so you know what that means. The catchers are the guys who are hanging uh, from the trapeze, and then the flyers they swing from trapeze to tree uh, trapeze, and they're caught by the catchers. But but as he was interviewing these trapeze artists, um, they said there's something very important that that the flyer never tries to catch the catcher, or it goes unbelievably bad. He says what happens? The flyer's job is to release the trapeze and then wait to be caught. And I want to tell you this, man, that is a picture of faith, of trusting God, that we release and we wait to be caught by our Savior. I think Jesus exemplifies this. 
as Jesus was, was hanging on the cross, he cried out with these words. He says, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And in that moment, he let go of the trapeze and he waited to be caught by his father. And on the third day, he was caught by the catcher. And that's a picture for you and I. That, that I want to assure you of this, that we can trust God, that God is a sure-handed God, and he's never going to let us fall or drop, that we can trust him. And, and then it goes on and it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Uh, can I tell you what that doesn't mean? It's not like, we're not like the, uh, the, the pro athlete that you see on TV and he's like, yeah, me and the big guy, or after he scores a touchdown, points to the heavens. You know, it's, it's not what, the, uh, what Solomon is talking about here. That uh, uh, what he's talking about is this idea uh, of inviting God into everything um, and to rule and reign in our lives. It's about him being Lord of every aspect of our life. Uh, I've often said it like this. It, it's kind of like uh, it's, it's like OnStar. That's the way we acknowledge God. And so if you don't know what that is, can I just take you through the, the evolution uh, of the map do you guys, like many of you don't even know what a map is. Like we used to have a paper map that they would fold up into this and you would open it up and you'd have to navigate where you want to go. And then uh, does anyone else find this problem? You could never fold it back up into the proper part. And so you just wound up just, just kind of balling it in your glove box or just sit, you know, jamming it under your seat. Right. And, and so, but from, from that, the foldable map, then what we went to the triptych. Do you remember this? You could get your local AAA and, and it would be this ticket that you would flip over and over and it would give you like uh, uh, each piece of paper was a different uh, way to navigate the directions. And then what we evolved to MapQuest. Do you remember this? When we had our dial up internet and we could print out directions, the right <laughs> over the internet. And then we could print out uh, the, the directions where we were headed. And then later on, we came up with a Garmin, and now who cares, right? It comes standard on, on every phone and on, on most cars, right? But, but I had something called OnStar uh, in, in my vehicle. And so OnStar, you could call and get help uh, for if you needed directions or whatever. And I remember my family and I, we were lost, didn't know where we were going, but my wife was like, hey, baby, it's okay because we have OnStar, and so I was like, that's right, girl. And so I hit the OnStar button and the sweet OnStar lady came to me and she's like, hi, how can I help you? And I'm like, yes, we're, we are lost. And I was wondering if you could tell us how to get back to the expressway. And she, she waits a moment and she's like, oh, Mr. Bird, I'm so sorry. You didn't pay for the upgrade for that package. I'm like, what? I'm like, Will you, can you just help me get my family to safety? And, and so she's like, I can't. But where do you think you should go? And I'm like, well, I feel like I, I should bang a left up here. And she's like, oh, you're, you're actually, you're getting warmer. You're getting warmer. And then I was like, and then do I make a right up at the next street? And she's like, no, you're getting colder. You're, I'm like, what in the world are we doing here? Right. And so, but I tell you this, that if we live our life and we're acknowledging him for every step and every path we take, like, I think a, a great clarifying question is to ask yourself this, like, uh, am I following Jesus? Or am I I'm asking Jesus to follow me? Um, here's another one. Like before I do anything, if I could just ask this clarifying question, is what am I about to do going to bring glory to God? Because the scriptures would say this, whatever you do, you do it all to the glory of God. But I promise you, remember, if we acknowledge God, that he's going to make our path straight, he'll make a way where there is no way. Uh, let's look at this, number four. Here's the command. The command is walk humbly 
and the promise is healing and refreshing. Walk humbly, and the promise is healing and refreshing. Let me read to you Proverbs 3, verses 7 and 8. It says this, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. And so um, here's the reality. Like if you're awesome, we got nowhere to go and wisdom is impossible, isn't it? Like, like, like if you're just arrogant, wisdom becomes impossible because the scripture's clear. It says this, that, that pride comes before a fall. It says that God resists the proud, but he gives all kinds of grace to the humble. And so humility, it is the posture of wisdom. So um, um, listen, I, I walked uh, arrogantly. So let me tell you a little little dark secret about uh, me is uh, I actually had a motorcycle at one point, right? And if I'm gonna shoot you straight, I was terrified driving that thing. <laughs> but but I, you know I was gonna be cool. I got my motorcycle, and and I remember um, I was got you know you, you got to get all the the paraphernalia, so I needed my leather jacket. But I was like, I'm, I'm not gonna get ones with all the zippers like all those guys that they think they're cool on their motorcycle. I, I'm not gonna do that. And and so I dropped all this coin uh, on, on a, a nice leather jacket. Um, but here um, I I immediately found out why there's zippers on all on on um, your leather jackets when you ride a motorcycle it's because uh, when you're driving upwards of 60 to 75 miles per hour on the expressway that if you don't have your sleeves and stuff closed off you you become a parachute <laughs> and I almost flew off my motorcycle my, my, my leather jacket blew up like this I look like the state plus marshmallow man right and so so it was it was a train wreck and why I was arrogant thinking hey I'm smarter than you guys and you know what in my arrogance, I was being a fool. So God wants us to walk humbly because it's the posture of wisdom. And uh, and notice this very unpopular idea that Solomon talks about the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. And here's what's fascinating: if you if you go through the book of Proverbs, do you know it's a mega theme in the book of um, Proverbs? Because wisdom uh, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Like the fear of the Lord, it appears 16 times in the in the book of Proverbs, and so, and here's why I think it's so uh, it so empowers uh, us to uh, to walk a, a a wise life. Here's what it is: is I think uh, more times than not, it's not that we don't know what to do, is we lack the will to do what we know we should do. Isn't that true? Like 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 it just is. Uh, there's a, a great book by a man by the name of Ed Welch, and it, it's called When People Are Big. And God are small. Uh, God is small, and it has this. I feel like it's such a powerful statement. He says this: the fear of the Lord simplifies life. The fear of the Lord simplifies life, and, and I just think that's so true. Like, like uh, take for example. Uh, okay, I got good grades uh, when I went to school, and get this. It had zero to do with me uh, being concerned about education. It had everything to do with the fact that I was terrified to bring home a poor report card to my father, right? So it was, it was the fear of my father that actually compelled me uh, to walk wisely. Uh, this one I, I so appreciated. So, um, uh, Pastor JD Greer, he shares the story. He was, he was actually talking with a group of college student, students, in particular a group of men, and they were just talking about how the sexual urge, it's just impossible to suppress. Like once that thing starts going, Pastor, you can't stop it. It's just too powerful. And JD Greer, it's so great. He pushed back. He says, it's not true what you're saying. 
Um, he says this. So just picture like you're with your girlfriend and you're just getting handsy. And next thing you know, this the train has left the building, right? It's like this is happening and you're just hot and you guys are getting after it. And and what happens? But then her her dad comes home who happens to be a Navy SEAL and walks into the room. What happened to your sexual urge that couldn't be stopped? <laughs> it immediately stopped and shut her down. Why? Because there's something greater that came in. And the fear of the Lord can be that thing that helps us to walk and, and walk in the wisdom that we know we should. And so uh, here's, a, here's a reminder. So I know some of you, you get uncomfortable when you start talking about uh, the fear of the Lord. And let me just, uh, uh, just reaffirm something. God is love and God is merciful. Absolutely. But get this. He's also, God is also holy and God is also just. And, um, and just like I, I, I know there's so many instances of grace and mercy. Here's what I do need to throw in. Like we tend to forget these other parts of the Bible. Do you know that in Acts chapter five, that God, he killed Ananias and Sapphira because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Okay. Do something with that. Um, that, that, that God, he blinded, uh, the apostle Paul. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's another, that he, he actually killed King Herod for stealing the glory that belonged to God and God alone. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when we lack a healthy reverence of who God is, it robs us of the ability to walk in wisdom. So, um, uh, listen, David, King David, His story is a success story, isn't it? I mean, come on, you talk about rags to riches. He was a forgotten shepherd boy, would become the greatest king of Israel, right? That, that we know that, that women sang songs about him and men wanted to be him, right? And so he had a success story. But, but if David were to boil down his life, um, here's his secret to success. And I, I want you to lean in, okay? Psalm 34, verse 9, that David says this. Fear the Lord, you his people, for those who fear him lack nothing. You'll lack nothing. All right. And so so here's a, a number five. Here's number five. Here's the command. The command is honor God and the promise he will honor you. That sounds like an amazing trade to me. Uh, let's look at it. Proverbs 3 verses 9 and 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with new wine. So, um, uh, I, I've, I've historically like told the story of Van Halen. Uh, that was back in my day, man. Van Halen was the cool group to listen to. Uh, not, not the, the heretical Van Halen with, uh, with, uh, Sammy Hagar, but, but the authentic one with David Lee Roth, you know, and so, so, uh, but here's what's interesting. Like David Lee Roth was the playboy rock star, but he was also extremely wise and intelligent. And, and here's what he did with, with all the, their concert venues, with all the pyrotechnics and all that, it can be unbelievably hazardous to the band. And so they set up all these precautionary things. And, and here's what they do uh, in the middle of the contract for the, uh, the concert venue that right in the middle of it, they put what's called the M&M clause. And here's what it says, that in the green room, that's where the rock band goes and they have all their drinks and, and food and all this kind of stuff backstage. They said in the green room, there must be a bowl of M&Ms. And if there is one brown M&M in the, the thing of M&Ms, 
then the contract is null and void and the band gets all the proceeds. <laughs> it's the M&M clause. See, because what it meant, it wasn't a diva thing. It let them know, oh, you didn't read the contract. It was a tripwire clause. And in the same way, do you know that God has an M&M clause? Because sometimes our hearts can be deceitful, murky. We don't know where they're at, but God has given us an M&M clause. And, and that's this, our mouth and our money will tell us something about our heart. It, it, it just does. Like I, I know that, it's, that the scriptures say this about our mouth, that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And unfortunately, there's been too many times in my own life where, where I get a lazy mouth, man, a, a curse word or something will come out. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that my heart is not right. And so I need, I, I need to stop getting on social media. I need to cut down on, on my entertainment and that kind of things. And, and man, up my word. Um, and so that, that's a, it lets me know what's going on in my heart. But he also says this, that our money lets us know where our heart is. And the scriptures say this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so here's what we're going to do at Every Nation New Jersey. We are going to give God our first and our best. Because if we honor God, he promises to honor us. And so, so we practice the, the tithe here at Every Nation New Jersey. And if you're not familiar with that, a tithe simply means a tenth that, that we give God the first. Uh, and then the, the rest we use. We don't give God our leftovers, but we say, God, you're first and you're best. And I, listen, I just been, I've been a Christian since I've been, uh, uh, 12 years old and been doing it when I was making $10, uh, or if I was making $10,000, it didn't matter. God was getting the first and the best. Funny story. I had, uh, actually when I was playing professional hockey in Philadelphia, there was another Christian on the team, which is unheard of. It's like finding an Oompa Loompa or something, a unicorn, right? And so, man, I was so excited to have another Christian guy on the team. And somehow we got talking about tithing. And I was like, man, do you tithe? And here's what his response to me was. He goes, oh, I used to, but I make too much money now. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, what? Bro, you know, God can handle that, right? If you need to make less. And so uh, I actually had to move away from him because here's what I knew. Honor God and God will honor you. And in fact, uh, even our church here at Every Nation, New Jersey, you know, um, I remember early in our church, um, we were at the end of one fiscal year and, and we were going to fall way short of our budget. And being the lead pastor, I'm like, oh my goodness, God, God, I need you to come through in this and get this. Um, weeks before our budget was to end, uh, one of the New York Jet players pulled me aside and he says this, the Lord told me to give this to you. And he cut a check for our church for six figures and, and we made our budget. And I just made me, man, I was so thankful to him, but how much more for God? Because God is true to his promises. He says, you honor me, I'll honor you. And then here's our, our sixth and our, our last command. You ready for it? The command is this. Embrace discipline uh, and the promise is gain wisdom. Embrace discipline and the promise is gain wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 3, verses 11 through 12, it says this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Uh, you can insert for discipline. It it's also can be known as training, just like you train up your children. So my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as the father, the son, in whom he delights. Um, the, the book of Hebrews will, will actually take it further and say this. Hey, treat difficulty in your life as training from your heavenly father. And so he says to embrace discipline, don't despise it. 
And so uh, if, if we can just put this like Solomon does in human terms, he says, God's treating you like a, like a father and a, and a son or a father and a daughter. And man, I remember my father uh, uh, as a young man, like he put so much responsibility on me. And then I remember like, like I, I, I worked, you know, I, because my parents divorced kind of, I was the house cleaner. I was the cook. I had to watch my brother and sister. And, and if I was to shoot you straight, you know what, there were moments I was so resentful of my father for making me do that. Like my friends, they didn't have to do all that stuff. And I just resented it. But you know what's so crazy is, is decades later, I'm so grateful to my father. Man, because he, he instilled in me this sense of responsibility. Responsibility that you'll need to shepherd and pastor a church. Uh, he put inside of me a work ethic. Guess what? That, that you're going to need uh, in order to be and do all God's called you to do. Let me give you another one is, my my uh, junior coach, my junior coach. Um, listen, I thought this guy was from Satan himself. Like this, my coach rode me. He was so hard on me all the time. He would chase me up and down the ice. Bert, you quit now. You'll quit sooner the next time. Blah 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 blah. And I, man, uh, don't get me wrong. Like I would pray for him. I would pray, God, please kill this man. Right? <laughs> and that was that was my prayer. But here's what's so fascinating, is uh, you know he instilled in me a grit. And, and once again, decades later, I look back and I'm so grateful that he did that in my life. It served me well uh, in my NHL career and it served me well in life. And so don't despise the discipline of the Lord. Embrace difficulty. Get get what God is teaching you through it and then get out of it. And so um, parents, uh, I'm going to close with this. You, you want to absolutely destroy your kid? Uh, then, then give them any and everything they want. Just coddle them. Never allow them to, uh, to fight through adversity. Uh, never allow them to persevere, right? Never allow them to just endure pressure and whatnot. And you'll absolutely train wreck your kid's life. And you know what? Your kid will grow up and, and your kid will despise you. And, and we're going to despise you because you've unleashed this child onto the world. So you don't want to do this. See, see, good parents, what do they do? They discipline their children. And your heavenly father is a good father. He, he, he wants more than anything uh, for you to mature, to grow in wisdom, what? That you might navigate life well. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for your word that it's living, it's true, and it's active. And Lord, I just want to pray for all of those. Lord, listening to my voice here uh, this morning. God, that, that, um, I, I pray that they would, they would hear wisdom. Lord, I pray that, um, God, that they would take, uh, this book and as they humble themselves under the word and the ways of God, Lord, thank you that you're going to lead them into life and life abundant, uh, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Listen, God bless you, every nation, and the sermon's done, but we're not quite finished because I just, uh, want to let you know that, that you can be faithful and partner with us in your tithe and your offering, just like we message, uh, we uh, mentioned in the message, um, the tithe simply means a tenth. And um, uh, you, there's three ways that you can give digitally to our church. And uh, one is this, you can just go to our website, encnj.org and hit the giving icon. Or you can give via text. If you just text the letters ENCNJ to the number 77977, it's a very convenient way to give. Or thirdly, you can just give, uh, just mailing in your check or your money order right here to our church offices at 101 Gibraltar Drive, right here in Morris Plains, New Jersey. And may God richly bless you.
Um, uh, God says, you honor him, he's going to honor you. God bless you, every nation. Jesus loves you, and I think you're pretty great, too. Thanks for listening to the Every Nation New Jersey podcast. For more information on our church, or if you'd like to give a financial gift, just go to our website, emcnj.org.